This event was recorded live at the 2016 Edinburgh International Book Festival. Good afternoon, uh, ladies and, and gentlemen, and welcome to this very first day at the Edinburgh International Book Festival and to this uh, extremely important session uh, sponsored by Scottish Mortgage Investment Trust and part of the Redrawing the Middle East series. The story of Iran is the story of my life, says Shirin Abadi, in the very first sentence uh, of this book, um, uh, When We Are Free, her second uh, memoir. Appointed uh, as a judge at just 23, Shirin Abadi supported the uprising against the Shah, but began to realise, as she has put it in her first memoir, Iran Awakened, that this was a revolution that might eat its sisters, as she was removed and demoted. In 1992, she was finally granted a licence to practice law and almost immediately began to defend the rights of women, intellectuals and activists within the Islamic legal system introduced after the revolution, while also writing, speaking and lecturing extensively. In 2006, she was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize for her courageous and pioneering work. And in this powerful but, uh, but devastating memoir, her story is one of struggle and humiliation, of persecution and arrest, intimidation and finally of exile and divorce. It is also one of determination and courage, integrity and of partial but significant achievement in the field she has devoted her life to human uh, rights and women's rights and justice uh, in Iran. She has said, I have learned in my lifetime one thing that is echoed in the history of Iranian women across the ages, that the written word is the most powerful tool we have to protect ourselves, both against the tyrants of the day and from our own traditions. We are here to affirm and celebrate that understanding and to discuss the issues and ideas that she has championed and hear Shirin Abadi's remarkable story from this memoir, When We Are Free. Welcome, Shirin. Thank you. Uh, and I'd also like to welcome uh, Marianne, uh, Shireen's translator, um, on whom we're very dependent today. Um, so I just wanted to begin. We, we will no doubt discuss human rights, uh, politics, faith, uh, but we are at a book festival, and I wanted to begin by talking to you about writing, about literature and justice. You say in this memoir that since Persian poets first began committing verse to paper, that we've been able to trace Iran's long struggle uh, uh, for justice through literature. And I also know that you um, have many friends who are contemporary poets um, who've inspired you as well. I wondered if you can just talk a little bit about both how that tradition and how contemporary literature uh, inspires your work and your thinking. خوندن تاریخ صرف میتونه برای بعضی ها خسته کننده باشه merely reading history could be a bit tedious for some people اما اگر تاریخ رو از طریق ادبیات و یا از طریق بیوگرافی ها بیان کنیم تعداد بیشتری از جذب میشن و در 
جریان تاریخ قرار میگیرن However, we could make history more attractive to people by relating it through literature and through biographies. وقتی که شما مثلا میخونید که در یک جنگ فرزن 20 هزار نفر کشته شد، 20 هزار نفر یک عدده که بعد از خوندن شاید یاد خیلی ها بره. When you read that in some war some 20,000 people were killed, that 20,000 may just be a number to you and many people may forget about it soon after. اما اگر یکی از بازماندگان اون افرادی که کشته شد یکی از خانواده اون 20,000 نفر بخواد سرگذشتش رو تعریف بکنه که چطور شد چه اتفاقی افتاد و بعد چه حوادثی اتفاق پیش افتاد اون موقع بهتر میشه فهمید که این 20000 نفر یعنی چه However if the story of that war what happened what occurred is told by either one of the survivors or by a relative of one of those killed in the war then it makes it a lot more accessible to people and you empathize more with their plight همچنین شما وقتی که میشنوید که ایران مرتکب نقض حقوق بشر میشه و چندین قطنامه در سازمان ملل علیه صادر شده این فقط یک جمله است And the same applies to the situation in Iran when you hear that in Iran human rights is being abused and the United Nations has adopted several resolutions in that regard it may not affect you that much اما وقتی که سرگذشت یکی از اون افرادی که حقوقشون نقض شده با تمام جزئیات میخوانید اون موقع مفهوم این که ایران مرتکب چه کارهایی میشود رو درک میکنید However, when you read the story and the memoirs of one of those people affected by this abuse, you become more familiar with the predicament in that country. من در سه کتابی که در سالهای اخیر نوشتم از طریق سرگذشت‌های واقعی مردم خودم و تعدادی از دوستانم می‌خوام ایران رو به مردم جهان بشناسونم و بگویم چه نوع حکومتی ما داریم and that is how i've been trying to introduce this, uh, iran to the outside world and i've done that in my three recent books which uh, in which i've tried to relate the story of what is happening in my country through either my own biography or the lives of other people that i know و اجازه میخوام علت دومی که این کتاب اخیرم رو هم نوشتم براتون بگم I'd also like to tell you another reason why I wrote my recent book. معمولاً من خیلی رو دیدم وقتی که یه شکست در زندگی میخوانن خیال میکنن دنیا تموم شده. I've come across many people and I've seen how whenever somebody suffers a setback they think oh my world has come to an end. شما در این کتاب آنتیل وی آر فری میخونید که در سن 63 سالگی یعنی سنی که هر کسی معمولا به بازنشستگی فکر میکنه من در ظرف یک هفته همه چیزم از دست دادم این مای بوک آنتیل وی آر فری 
you will see that at the age of 63, when people start to think about retirement and their pension, at that age, within a week, I lost everything I possessed. I lost my job as a lawyer. Iranian security forces raided three um, of my NGOs, which were very prominent and active in Iran. And the government confiscated everything I owned, including what I'd inherited from my father, and sold them in an auction. مجبور شدم که کشوری که خیلی دوستش داشتم ترک کنم و در جای زندگی کنم که نه زبونش رو بلد بودم و نه فرهنگش رو میشناختم. I was forced to leave a country, my homeland, and live in a country now where I didn't know the language, nor was I familiar with its culture. یعنی در سن 63 سالگی من همه چیزم رو از جمله شغلم رو از دست دادم. In other words, I lost everything at the age of 63, including my profession. و اینا کافیه که اگر یک نفر در این شرایط باشه فکر کنید دنیا براش تمام شده. And anyone in such circumstances would feel that their world has come to an end. من یک هفته خیلی غمگین بودم. I remember initially for a week I was very upset. و توی اتاق نشسته بودم و با خودم فکر میکردم. I was sitting alone in a room and I was thinking to myself. But after that first week, I came out of the room. I said to myself, I'm still alive, I can work. And I started to work even harder than before. الان خیلی موفقتر و حتی پولدارتر از زمانی هستم که جایزه نوبل رو بردم. And I can tell you that I'm now even more successful and even richer than when I was awarded the Nobel Prize. برای خواهش میکنم یعنی با خوندن این کتاب یا هدفم این است که جوانها اعتماد به نفس پیدا کنند و بدونن که با یک شکست همه چی تموم نمیشه دو مرتبه ادامه بدید موفق میشید so the aim of uh, my aim in writing this book is to show the young people that they should have confidence in themselves they should not be disillusioned by a, a setback and they must continue and they will be successful great <laughs> Can I just say a little bit, talk a little bit with you about um, the, the, the area you've just spoken about, which is um, uh, your public eloquence and also your pursuit of justice, which is what led you to the position that you're in now. And I wondered which you think was most powerful, particularly when you were working in Iran, whether it was the power of your legal knowledge, your lawyerly skills, your knowledge, your close reading of Islamic law, or your public eloquence, your use of platforms, including writing, which do you think was most powerful in making change and indeed in, in leading you to a position where you were seen as a threat? Islam 
و از حقوق داشتم به من کمک میکرد که به حکومت ثابت بکنم کارهایی که تو میکنی و اسمش اسلام میذاری اصلا اسلامی نیست Both actually was a combination of my knowledge of the law and Islam uh, that uh, helped me prove to the government that what they are doing in the name of Islam is no way Islamic. And this is something which really angered the government. Because I was using the very same weapons as the government was using against its people. You have held on to your faith very thoroughly through all of your troubles. My understanding is that you are, you are equally defending your faith as much as the victims of its most extreme expressions. Bale. Man. از کسانی که به نام مذهب قربانی میشن دفاع میکنم. Yes, I defending those who are being victimized in the name of religion. من از زنای دفاع میکنم، از زنای مسلمانی دفاع میکنم که به نام اسلام مجبورشون میکنن که زندگی طوری زندگی کنن که دوست ندارن. I'm defending Muslim women who are being forced to choose a way of life which they do not like. I'm defending individuals who are being killed in the name of Islam. I'm defending non-Muslims who are being killed. killed in the name of Islam. در حقیقت از نام اسلام سوء استفاده میشه. So to all intents and purposes the name of Islam is being abused. هم تروریستا از نام اسلام سوء استفاده میکنند و هم حکومت های غیر دموکراتیک مثل ایران و عربستان being abused by terrorists as well as non-democratic countries such as Iran and Saudi Arabia. Can we talk a little bit about some of the very difficult experiences that you have been through yourself? Many of the cases um, of those uh, that you have, many of the cases you've pursued have been those of writers and intellectuals and activists uh, who seem particularly vulnerable to the killing sprees that have sometimes taken place. I understand at one stage five writers, translators, intellectuals were killed in one week. friends of yours, people you knew, that must have been incredibly distressing. Of course, these experiences are very painful, but at the same time for uh, us people, the ones living in Iran, it's a part of the everyday life. محاکمه که من دفاع خانواده مقتولین رو بر عهده داشتم موقع خوندن پرونده متوجه شدم که نفر بعدی که بایستی ترور بیشد منم من بودم In fact, in the course of these trials when I was representing families of the victims I noticed that on the list of those who were to be assassinated my own name was uh, mentioned و از اون موقع 
سایه مرد رو سر منه And since then I have uh, been um, followed by the threat of death. Uh, I, in fact, I have been threatened many times. Uh, even they even tracked me down in the United Kingdom. Um, And their aim is to silence me. اما من تصمیمم رو گرفتم. However, my mind is made up. You said I can tell. <laughs> you say this, but at various points in in this book you state very clearly that you did not set out to be an opponent of the state. Um, you say that you were not an activist or an opposition figure. Hamintore, man leader has been seriousinista. Yes, that's right. I am not. I'm not a leader of a political party. Man ragibe seriousie hukumatista. Nor am I a political rival of the government. Man fakat yek hukumdani hasam ke az. عدالت و همچنین از اسلام دفاع میکنم. I am merely a lawyer who is defending justice and Islam. و این چیزی که حکومت عصبانی میکنه. Which is the very point that angers the government. برای اینکه قبلا به شما گفتم من از همون اسلحه استفاده میکنم که حکومت داره استفاده میکنه. As I mentioned to you earlier, I am fighting the government with the very weapon that it's using against its people. و اس حکومت دلش میخواد بگه همه کارهایی که میکنه از جمله سنگسار زنها از جمله قطع دست دوست تمام اینا با حکم شریعت و غیر قابل تغییر while the government is trying to say that all these crimes is perpetrating such as stoning death by stoning or cutting off a thief's hands is in accordance with the sharia law and they are they are fixed punishments and cannot be changed کردم و میکنم که این حرفشون درست نیست و ما میتونیم این قوانین 1400 سال قبل رو عوض کنیم. So I am using Islamic jurisprudence books to prove that we using their own weapons that the laws that they have adopted uh, are not compatible with the times now and they go back to 1400 years ago. یک سال ساده که من همیشه از از روحانیون در قدرت ایران میکنم اینه 1400 سال قبل شما سوار شطور میشدین و سفر سفر میکردین حالا چرا با قوانین 1400 سال قبل دارین زندگی میکنین One simple question that I always put to the clergy in power in Iran is 1400 years ago your means of travel was on back of camels so if you want to go back to 1400 years ago why don't you use camels again <laughs> but you said sharia law is is a set of principles um, which are open to interpretation 
but that looseness also makes it difficult to, to, to attach them to unalienable human rights. Vale. اسلام این پتانسیل رو داره که با ضوابط حقوق بشر انتباق داشته باشه و من در در این ارتباط تقریبا 14 تا کتاب نوشتم. Yes, Islam has the potential to adapt itself to human rights principle and in that regard I have actually written 14 books. اما مهم این است که اسلامو کی بخواد تفسیر بکنه. However, what is important is who is interpreting Islam. اگه اسلام بخواد طالبان تفسیر کنه یه جور دیگه یه معنای دیگه از توش در میاد. If the Taliban are going to interpret Islam, I'm sure it will be a totally different اگه بخواد عربستان و ایران تفسیر کنه یه جور دیگه اسلامی میاد بیرون. Saudi Arabia, Iran will have their own different interpretations of Islam. اگر مسلمانان مدرن که در دانشگاه ها دارن تدریس میکنن اسلام رو اونا بخوان درس تفسیر کنن یه معنای دیگه میاد بیرون and if islam is interpreted by progressive muslims who are teaching at universities then there will be a totally different interpretation of the religion اما مشکل این است که مسلمانان مدرن در قدرت سیاسی نیستن But the problem lies in the fact that these progressive Muslims do not hold a political power. Had these progressive Muslims been in political powerful positions, the first thing they would have said was that Islam must be separated from a state. سکولاریزم and the first prerequisite for a democracy is secularism ما میتونیم مسلمان باشیم توی خونه خودمون we can be muslims in our private homes چون که شما هم مسیحی هستید توی خونه خودتون و توی کلیسای خودتون as in the case of christianity you are christians you practice your religions in your homes or in your churches در حقیقت دعوا سر قدرت سیاسی است. So in effect the dispute is over political power. و همه چیزو میندازیم گردن خدا. And they blame everything on um, God. Can I ask uh, what difference uh, winning the Nobel Prize made to your ability to um, continue your struggle? جایزه نوبل بلنگوهای بیشتری رو در اختیار من قرار داد و باعث شد که صدای من به تعداد بیشتری از مردم جهان برسه. The Nobel Prize um, actually provided me with more platforms and loudspeakers through which I could make sure my voice was heard throughout the world. البته در داخل کشورم وضعیت من رو بهتر نکرد. But of course it did not help my situation inside the country. حتی من یادمه که رئیس جمهور کشورمون وقتی که این خبر رو شنید گفت نوبل سر مهم نیست ادبیاتش مهم بود. I even remember that the then president in 2003 when I was awarded the prize he remarked Nobel Peace Prize is not important is the Nobel literature prize that's important. حالا من قراره یه نوبل ادبیاتم بگیرم. 
بقول ميدا which is why I'm determined to win the Nobel Prize in You've said that um, in the past, unfortunately, Iranians at heart are hero worshippers. Um, I know it was a problem in terms of expectations around the reformist President Khatami. You have also become a heroine for many people around the world, but many Iranians, women in particular. Has this been a problem in terms of expectations uh, of you and your ability to create change? Uh. متاسفانه کسانی که خودشون فعالیت نمیکنن انتظار دارن دیگران براشون فعالیت دیگران برای اونها جامعه رو بهتر بکنه و اونها راحت تر زندگی کنن Unfortunately passive individuals always expect those who are activists to make society better for them و من همیشه میگم و من همیشه میگم من قهرمان نیستم شما قهرمانید قهرمان زندگی خودتون باشید And I always say, I'm no hero. You should be heroes of your own lives. Um, this is also uh, it's a political story, but it's also an extremely painful personal story. I wonder if you could tell me a little bit about some of the decisions that you had to make when the authorities, particularly when the authorities began to move in on your family. حکومت برای که من رو وادار بکنه که ساکت بشم خواهر من رو و همسر من رو دستگیر کردن و مدتی در زندان بودن دستگیری همسر من همراه با یک توطعه بود که براش ترتیب داده بودن And of course the arrest of my husband was done through a conspiracy that they'd hatched خانمی رو که سر راهش قرار میدن و اون رو در یک حالت نامناسب ازش فیلم برداری میکنن و بعد در همون لحظه مامورین امنیتی از اون یکی اتاق میان بیرون و دستبند میزنن همسر من میبرن زندان And while my husband was alone in the room with this woman, security forces, they barged into the room and they handcuffed my husband and took him away. And So initially when they take him to prison, they flog him. They flog him because that night with that lady, she, he was drinking wine. و بعد روی اون چون فیلمی که ازش داشتن این رو هفته بعد میبرن یک دادگاهی و طبق قانون اگر یه مجازات این کار در قانون ما سنگ ساره و میگن تو مخون شدی به سنگ سار 
And since they had secretly filmed him in that room with that woman, they used that film in court and they say that uh, the punishment for a man and a woman is uh, um, death by stoning and that, uh, that is your punishment. And a few days before this uh, punishment of stone, death by stoning was to be enforced, the good cop entered the scene. و پیشنهاد میکنه که تو اگر حاضر بشی که ما ازت فیلم بگیریم علیه هم شیرین عبادی صحبت بکنی اون وقت میتونیم کاری بکنیم که این حکم سنگ سال از بین بده And the good cop, his, his role was, he said, oh we can make this punishment disappear provided you go on public TV and speak against your wife Shirin Abadi و شوهرم که چاره ای نداشته این کاری میکنه So my husband had no other choice, and he did so. And television So they filmed my husband, and they showed this film uh, twice uh, on the same day on the state television to make sure that everyone had seen it. من ایرانی به سال مسلمان خوبی نیستم ایرانی خوبی نیستم و همسر خوبی هم برای او نبودم And in that film my husband says that I wasn't a good Muslim I wasn't a good Iranian and I wasn't a good wife for him و البته همه مردم ایران با این گونه اعترافات آشنایی دارن. Of course needless to say that for Iranian people such confessions are part of everyday life. و من اینجا خیلی متاسفم که بگم پرسیوی که محل که از در کشور شما پخش میشه مربوط به دولت ایرانه او هم از این اعترافات اجباری قبلا پخش کرده بود و به همین دلیلم دادگاه محکومش کرد. And I'm saddened to highlight the fact that uh, Iran's foreign language television press TV is also active in your very own country and it's been broadcasting such forced uh, confessions for which in the past it had also been uh, um, fined. But من میخوام یه چیز دیگری رو نشون بدم. حکومت ایران ادعا میکنه همه کاراش اسلامیه. به همین دلیل همه زنایی که در ایران هستن میگن که یعنی چه مسلمان چه غیر مسلمان بایستی حجاب داشته باشن. And um, for, for that reason, they say that all women in Iran, be they Muslims or non-Muslims, must observe the Islamic dress code, the hijab. Mm-hmm. 
In other words, if I go out dressed the way I am right now uh, in Iran, they will arrest me and uh, my punishment would be flogging. خب همین حکومت که میگه و همین حکومت سکس ورکر استخدام میکنه و این رو میفرسته به خانواده ها برای اینکه فیلم بگیرن که اهدافش پیاده بشه. Now this very government they recruit sex workers uh, and uh, so through these sex workers they send them to various families with such plots that I described in my book in order to get uh, the desired و تنها من نبودم که این اتفاق برای من افتاد قبل از من هم برای تعداد دیگری اتفاق افتاده بود و بعضی از اونا حتی موکلین من بودن So what I need to highlight is what happened to my husband here and uh, wasn't uh, only because he was my husband the same had happened to other families and some of them were actually my own clients و من هرچی به اونا میگفتم اینا رو مطرح بکنید به زبان باز صحبت بکنید بعضی از مسائل مثل این در ایران تابوه و کسی حاضر نبود عنوان بکنه And I used to say to my clients you have to expose these things you have to talk about them publicly but sadly in Iran talking about these issues are considered taboo اما من این رو مخصوصا عنوان کردم برای که این تابو رو بشکنم و دیگران هم بیایند بگویند سرشون چه بلایی آمده which is exactly why i decided to write about this what happened to my husband because i wanted to break that taboo and encourage others to come forward and relate their stories you write very and to expose what the iranian government does which is to recruit these sex workers you do that very beautifully as well i know it's a strange thing to say but um, What you're talking about is a terrible thing, and you describe it with anger as well, but you also describe it extremely poignantly. The moment when your, your husband holds uh, the Quran above your head and you walk under it for the last time before you leave the country, not to return. Um, you write extremely powerfully uh, and poignantly both those things. Um, من از خلال زندگی خودم میخواستم اون چه که در ایران به صورت واقعی میگذره به مردم دنیا نشون بدم. In any case what I wanted to show by writing this book is that through relating the story of my life I wanted to raise awareness among people throughout the world about the developments in Iran. من از طبقه متوسط جامعه هستم یعنی طبقه ای که اکثریت مردم در اون هستن I come from a middle class strata in Iranian society which and majority of Iranians are from that class و از خلال شما از طریق حرفای من طرز تفکر من و زندگی من میتونید زندگی حقیقی رو در ایران درک کنید So my story will help you understand real lives in Iran so my words and my story and my way of thinking hopefully will make you familiar with the situation in Iran.
Great. Now, I think we're going to go out to the audience for questions now. What we're going to do is um, just start with the, this half of the room and then that half of the room so that the person with the mic can run. So I'm not ignoring you on this side. We will come to you in a moment, but we're going to start on this side of the room. Uh, yeah, lady in the front row with the green round her neck. Hi, with all of the experiences you've had, if you could travel back in time and give one piece of advice to your younger self, what would that be? من اگر یک بار دیگر به دنیا بیام دقیقا همین کارهایی رو میکنم که الان کردم و چه بسا ست سال دیگه دو مرتبه همینجور بشیدم If I were to be born again be sure I'd do exactly the same as I have done so, uh, so far as if I'm born in a hundred years time I'm sure I'll act exactly the same <laughs> Great. Another question on this side? Any hands there? No? Okay, you're going to have to run, I think. So this side, the gentleman in the third row from the back in the pinky shirt. And then, yeah. Um, you, you, you mentioned the fact that um, human rights, or you alluded to the fact that human rights principles, in fact, were fixed. Uh, or didn't evolve. How, uh, from a conceptual point of view, do you argue against people who think um, their law is God-given uh, and uh, they should go back to riding camels. If, um, how do you answer these people if they say, well, human rights goes back to the 18th century, why don't you ride a horse and cart? It's also a fixed principle. How intellectually do you argue that point? Thank you. ببینید قوانین شریعت دو دسته هستن یک دسته اونایی که روابط فرد رو با خدا تنظیم میکنه مثل عبادت کردن the sharia laws are divided into two categories one category is relates to an individual's relationship with god an example of which is a daily prayer این قوانین غیر قابل تغییر هستن یعنی تا زمانی که کسی مسلمانه باید همینطوری که از اول گفتن این قوانین رو رعایت بکنه درست مثل کلیسا رفتن شما نه this category of laws they're fixed uh, and any muslim must abide by them as you go to your church and worship اما توجه داشته باشید که هیچ حکومتی حق نداره در خود اسلام هم نوشته شده هیچ کس حق نداره دیگری رو مؤاخذه بکنه به خاطر اینکه چرا این دست از قوانین رو اجرا نمیکنه. However, bear in mind that in Islam it has actually been stated in Islam that no one can uh, interrogate anyone else as to why they don't abide by these laws. در حالتی که می‌بینیم در کشوری مثل عربستان یا ایران به خاطر این دست از قوانین مردم رو مجازات میکنن مثلا در ایران مجازات میکنن چرا روزه نمیگیری یا چرا در عربستان چرا نماز نمیخونی so although they are fixed no one under islam can punish people if they don't abide by these laws for example as they do in saudi arabia and iran for example if somebody isn't fasting in saudi arabia or iran they are punished دسته دیگر قوانین شریعت قوانینی هستند که روابط افراد رو در اجتماع تنظیم می‌کنند. 
Now, the other category of laws in the Sharia are, are in relation to individuals' uh, um, relationship within society. In the Sazkavonin, Barhasbe, Zarurat Hoye, Zamon, Vamakon, Kobelet Harida. Now, uh, this category of laws, they can be changed uh, based on the exigencies of the time and the place. Such as the penal code in family law, they are part of uh, this, this category of the law. و به همین دلیل است که ما این دست از قوانین رو می‌بینیم که حتی کشورهای مثل ایران و عربستان هم تعدادی از این قوانین رو از بین بردن برای اینکه واقعا نمیشه اجرا کرد and this category of laws sometimes they are not easy to enforce and we can see that even countries such as Iran and Saudi Arabia no longer have uh, enforced these laws مثلا بردهداری an instance of which is slavery که حتی تو عربستان هم از می رفته which even in Saudi Arabia they no longer have اما صحبت سر این است که در این تعداد این قوانینی که قابل تغییره فقط تعداد محدودش از می رفته but uh, the problem is that this category of the Sharia law, even though they can be changed, only a small number of them have been changed. Muslims modern believe that this laws can be amended so long as you uh, uh, maintain the spirit of the, the law. For instance, when in uh, the Quran they said that you have to cut off the hands of a thief, it's because in those days they didn't have prisons. حتی در اروپا دوزار آتیش می زدن Even in your Europe uh, they used to burn thieves at stake این قانون شریعت یک روحی داره Now this group of Sharia laws they contain a spirit روح این قانون چیه Now what we have to understand we have to understand what was the uh, spirit of that law روح این قانون این است که دزدی بده و دز باید مجازات بشه. And what was the spirit of the law? It was that theft is bad and any thief must be punished. این روح باید حفظ بشه. So we have to preserve the spirit of that law. اما اینکه مجازات چه باشد این بستگی دارد به زمان. However, the type of punishment for, for that should depend on the um, times. به همین دلیل الان حبس به جای قطع دست دوست بعد زندان میشه اندام. So nowadays we have prisons. There is no need to cut off the hands of a thief. A thief can be imprisoned. شاید پنجا سال دیگه یه مجازات هایی باشه که حتی انسانی تر از حبس هم باشه. اونو باید بدیم. 
in 50 years' time, we may have punishments that could be even more humane than imprisonment, and they'd be more compatible with the times, and might be different. We wouldn't like to. We wouldn't like you to fa face these arguments. Your arguments are very strong. We're seeing an example of what you might be expressing within the court, but we might take another question if that's okay. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're just going to take another question up in the f on the far right hand side. We, we only have so much time. Yeah. Shirin Apaslanaikum. Ever since the death of the Prophet, peace be upon him, there has been conflict within Islam. Do you have a view on the current sectarian? fighting within Islam, is it purely promulgated within the divisions within Islam, or do you see external other influences happening? Thank you. Uh, As you so rightly pointed out, uh, these sectarian disputes have existed among Muslims for centuries. In my view, the root of it all goes back to power, because each of these sects is uh, uh, in pursuit of power and wants to be more powerful than the other. درست مثل جنگایی که توی مسیحیت بوده مگه چقدر مسیحی ها با هم جنگیدن such as in your christianity you've had different sects within christianity who fought each کسانی که به یک خدا اعتقاد دارن فقط به خاطر قدرت سیاسیه که با هم می‌جنگن so people who all believe in one god why are they fighting each other? Is because of political power. Yeah. Good. Can you come down here? Yeah. So just question here and then one in the middle. Just yeah. Yeah. Just gentlemen here. Yeah. Thanks very much. Um, so building on your point about press TV, um, I was wondering what sort of concrete steps do you think the international community in general and the United Kingdom in particular can undertake to promote some of the rights that you've been fighting for, clearly, for so many years. Thank you. Is that a me to do with the media specifically? Um, well, to the, the media can be one veneer, but, okay. but more generally. Okay, thank you. حکومت های مثل ایران مجبور به احترام به حقوق بشر بشن. Now governments around the world who respect human rights, they must take steps to ensure that governments such as Iran that have no respect for human rights will be forced to respect them. در حالتی که می‌بینیم شما در یک کشوری مثل انگلستان که دموکراسی در اینجا بر به میزان زیادی پیشرفته است 
بلنگو در اختیار یه چنین حکومتی قرار دادید که بخواد اعترافاتی که با شکنجه در زندان از مردم میگیره بیاد از طریق این پرستیوی پخش کنه که همه بشنون For example, in a very progressive country such as yours in the United Kingdom uh, where democracy has been established and you're very advanced, why do you provide a non-democratic uh, government with such a platform such as Press TV uh, in order to broadcast such forced confessions? خاموش کنید بلنگوی تبلیغاتی دو حکومت های غیر دموکراتیک رو. Take away these uh, loudspeakers and platforms from non-democratic countries. Good. Another question over here. Where's the hand up there? So, into the yeah. So first in the middle, then up to the back, and then the lady here. Yeah. Can you keep your question short? We just got another few minutes to go, so keep it short and sharp, and similarly. Yeah. Hi there. Who whose job is it to update the interpretation of Sharia law? Is it the job of theologians or of judges or of politicians? Thank you. Okay, just see a lady here. در درجه اول بایستی حکومت از مذهب جدا بشه که اساسا کار به تفسیر اینا نکشه before anything else we have to make sure that the government is separated from religion before we even start approaching interpretation و در درجه بعد این کار هر کسی است که به اسلام اعتقاد داره و خودش رو مسلمان میدونه And then, at that stage, then it's uh, the duty of anyone who believes they are a true Muslim and believes in Islam. Great. Thank you. Your question? Uh, given the last 37 years since the Islamic Revolution in Iran, how do you see the more immediate future of Iran and the more distant future, and in particular the role of feisty Iranian women in bringing about a better future? حکومت ایران بایستی پالیسیش رو هم در داخل کشور و هم در سطح منطقه و بین المللی عوض بکنه. The Iranian government must change its domestic, regional and international policies. در غیر این صورت آینده بسیار بدی در انتظارشه. Otherwise, uh, it should expect a very dire future. و امیدوارم که قبل از اینکه اتفاق بدی برای ایران بیفته حکومت انقدر عاقل باشه که سیاستش رو عوض بکنه and i very much hoped that this government will be sensible enough to change its policies before it's too late and uh, it has dire consequences great thank you yeah here yeah hello yeah you mentioned about the prerequisite for democracy is secularism Can you explain that further and how you're going to mitigate people who have differences on this view? Hamishe az mazhab va har mazhabi su estefade mikonan siyasat madara. Politicians have always exploited religion and I mean any religion. حکومت کلیسا در قرون وسطا نشون داد که اگر مذهب با سیاست قاطی بشه چه بلاهایی میتونن سر مردم بیارن 
you've seen a precedent of that in the Middle Ages and the church, when the church was in power, and how uh, they can uh, actually have uh, a bad effect on the lives of the people. Now, exactly the same as what happened to you in the Middle Ages because of the Christianity and the power of the church, the Muslims are doing uh, in the Islamic world. Which is why uh, there has the government should be state must be separated from religion. To ensure that politicians do not exploit the religious sentiments of people. Great. Thank you. Just up the back here. Uh, I'm a member of the Baha'i faith, one of the religious minorities uh, in Iran. And on behalf of the Baha'i community, uh, I would sincerely like to thank you very much for your efforts th uh, that you have done for defending the rights of the Baha'is, uh, who are very much persecuted in Iran today. Uh, I would like to know your opinion. What, how do you anticipate the future of the religious minorities in Iran? Uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, the Baha'is, they are one of the religious minorities in Iran, and they are about 350,000 strong. And unfortunately, they have been deprived of all their civil rights from the very beginning of the revolution. For instance, they haven't even been allowed to attend university. Uh, a number of my clients were Baha'is. Um, um, the prosecutor had charged these Baha'i clients of mine with espionage, and I know I'd studied their cases. They were totally innocent, but because our judicial system, our uh, courts are not independent, uh, they, were, uh, they were actually persecuted. Um, Sadly, the Baha'is are subjected to even greater oppressions, but because I have limited time, I cannot delve into that. Okay, I'm afraid we're going to have to round up. Um, I just want to ask you one um, last question about... You don't actually, um, at any stage, uh, there's no sense of conscious bravery in the way you describe yourself in this book. Um, but um, you talk a lot about having to be strong. And I wonder, do you see yourself as brave? <laughs> yes, I'm very brave. <laughs> Good. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Um, uh
At the end of this book, Shireen says, um, has, has a country ever been so loved? This is obviously a book about struggle, about politics, about the fight for justice and human rights, but it's also a book about her love for her country as well. Um, I'd like to thank her very much for being here with us and for all her remarkable work uh, and for sharing her ideas and answering uh, all of our questions. Uh, thank you very much. More podcasts and videos of Edinburgh International Book Festival events are available at www.edbookfest.co.uk on iTunes and YouTube. Just search for Edbookfest.